Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 241. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. September is a crazy busy time. School is back in session. Your workload's probably higher. I'm coaching three kids' teams. And there's a lot going on in Washington and around the world. And now is definitely a time to stay vigilant. Each decade, Russia starts a new war. Parts of Moldova and Georgia remain occupied. Russia turns Syria into ruins. And if not Russia, the chemical weapons would have never been used there in Syria. Russia has almost swallowed Belarus. It is obviously threatening Kazakhstan and other Baltic states. And the goal of the present war against Ukraine is to turn our land, our people, our lives, our resources into a weapon against you, against the international rules-based order. Many seats in the General Assembly Hall may become empty, empty if Russia succeeds with its treachery and aggression. Heroic Ukrainian President Zelensky was in New York City and in Washington. And in our home, we appreciate and salute true heroes. And when we heard sirens yesterday morning outside of our apartment, my little boys rushed to the windows, hoping to get a glimpse of the motorcade carrying the heroic Ukrainian president, who's leading his heroic people and the entire free world against tyranny, oppression, and evil. The man who's fighting for the values that are core to all that we are as Americans and as New Yorkers. Now, New York City knows a true hero when we see it, and so do my boys. And we welcomed and saluted President and Mrs. Zelensky to New York City and back to America, and all the incredibly courageous people that they represent. You see, we never forget what it's like to be attacked and to have our civilians murdered on our own soil. And we never forget what you are enduring and fighting for now and every single minute. We never forget that your children are not safe like ours. We never forget the heroes that have fallen and those on the front lines right now. We never forget to look for the helpers like you. And we never forget our friends. So, Mr. Zelensky, we stand with you and the courageous and inspiring people of Ukraine now and always. New York City and America welcomes you and salutes you. And we've got your back. Because we understand stakes is high. So Zelensky's back in America this week, 
Trump continues to shamefully sympathize with Putin, and the U.S. is hitting Russia with new sanctions. But this September, global security and our domestic politics continue to collide. And that includes, of course, Senator Redneck, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, and his one-man crusade to weaken our military. Now, there was an article in the Marine Corps Times that underscored the damage that Tommy Tuberville's radical holds are having on our military. Marine General Eric Smith gets up around 5.30 a.m. and starts reading intelligence reports from secure communications set up in his house. He works all day, all night, and doesn't flip off his computer and stop working till about 11.30 at night. Then he's back up at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's because he's working multiple jobs because of one senator's unprecedented holes. Now, he leads the entire Marine Corps as the acting commandant. He also advises the president as a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Meanwhile, he's still the assistant commandant, whose responsibilities include safety, personnel, and readiness. So he's doing multiple jobs, working off of five hours of sleep nonstop. Yeah, he could do it. He's a Marine but he shouldn't have to. It's not sustainable. And hundreds of other military officers are doing exactly the same thing. And we can all thank Senator Redneck for this. This is the high human cost his antics are having on real men and women in uniform. We're running our top-level troops into the ground because of one senator's radical political agenda. And more and more officers inside the military are actually speaking out. Stars and Stripes had an article underscoring this, and they quoted Air Force General Mark Kelly, the head of Air Combat Command, who said, we're on the fringe of losing a generation of champions. The destruction and destabilization caused by Senator Redneck continues, and yet still, not a single Democrat or Republican or Independent in the Senate or Congress has called for him to resign. Another headline was at Stars and Stripes, and it said, Tuberville's promotion block is causing military spouse unemployment, missed school enrollment, and deferred retirements, Democrats say. It's not a liberal rag. It's the stars and stripes. And in fairness, it's not just Democrats who are saying this. It's just about everybody who knows what they're talking about. This is no partisan issue. It's beyond that. It's Senator Redneck versus most of his own party the entire military, and just about everyone in America except for a few of his radical buddies in the Senate. But there is breaking news, big breaking news, some of the biggest news regarding this story in months. And the news is Democrats have finally grown a spine. And just before I recorded this, General C.Q. Brown was confirmed by the Senate as the next Joint Chiefs Chairman by a vote that was not unanimous. It was an 83 to 11 vote. Now, first of all, it's about damn time. It's long past time that the Democrats grew a spine and ran over Senator Redneck and his ridiculous and reckless holds. Now, C.Q. Brown will be an exceptional chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as I've talked about before. I was at an event with him just a few months ago. I saw him in person. I was blown away. And anyone who voted against this patriot should be ashamed of themselves. Here's a list of them. The 11 radical U.S. senators who put their personal extreme political agenda ahead of an obviously qualified chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
and they also put it ahead of our national security. All the votes against confirming C.Q. Brown were Republicans, and they are Braun, Cruz, Hawley, Johnson, Lee, big surprise, Loomis, Marshall, Rubio, Schmidt, Vance, and, of course, Tuberville. Schumer finally brought the vote to the Senate, and John Kirby, the White House spokesperson, said it was good for the three generals, their military branches, and Department of Defense overall, but, quote, it doesn't fix the problem or provide a path forward for the 316 other general and flag-grade officers that are held up by this ridiculous hold. So the Democrats finally grew a spine. They finally ran an end around. They finally blew through this block by Coach Tommy Tuberville and got this through. But this fight is far from over. Because Tommy Tuberville does have a group of radical buddies who have supported him. So this week especially. He's not alone. And he will receive the award yet again, but along with 10 other radicals who continue to endanger our national security, who all this week especially, have earned the award of Asshole of the Week. I drive really slow in the ultra-fast lane While people behind me are going insane I'm an asshole, I'm an asshole, I mentioned Tuberville's got no shortage of radical buddies who've been supporting him on this, and that includes... Governor Ron DeSantis down in Florida. Uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, as you know, has placed a hold on certain senior appointments at the Pentagon because he objects to the Biden policy to have taxpayers pay for elective abortions for active duty military and their dependents. It's very controversial. The media has gone after him. Uh, is he right? Yes. I support what he's doing. First of all, what the, what the Defense Department is doing is outside the law. They are breaking, violating the law by, by funding abortion tourism with tax dollars. And so when agencies do that, the Congress has to stand up and push back against it. I also look and see, you know, we have a limited amount of money in a defense budget. We're running low on ammunition. Our recruiting is in the absolute gutter now, and you're funding abortion tourism? Is that really something that is helping to protect this country? So we need to fight back against it. I can tell you when I'm president on day one, that policy goes into the trash can where it belongs. Now, here's that term again, abortion tourism. Untrue lies and pandering garbage. Standard DeSantis stuff. He's an intellectual lightweight, we know that, and it's revealed most when he talks about defense and foreign policy. There's nobody that DeSantis won't sell out to get elected, including our troops. And he and Senator Redneck are ensuring that our enemies are celebrating. So Ron DeSantis doesn't care about our 300-plus military officers. Ron DeSantis doesn't care about all the troops that are affected. He doesn't care how it undermines our national security. But you know what? Ron DeSantis also doesn't care about white people. Now, we know he doesn't care about black people, but white people need to understand he doesn't care about you either. If he did, he wouldn't keep giving you dangerous and bad health care advice. Because this week, 
DeSantis's Florida administration issued a COVID vaccine recommendation that directly contradicted federal official guidance as his presidential campaign tries to use the resurgence of the virus to appeal to the Republican base. Now, the CDC last week recommended that everyone six months or older who had not yet received a COVID shot in the last two months receive a booster vaccine. The new shots approved by the FDA appear to be effective against a vast majority of COVID-19 variants now in circulation. But Ron DeSantis has told people in Florida he's not going to support that. He's just like Trump when he told you to inject Lysol into your body during the pandemic. Because Ron DeSantis doesn't care about white people. Remember when Kanye spoke the truth about George Bush back after Hurricane Katrina? George Bush doesn't care about black people. Well, Ron DeSantis doesn't care about white people. He doesn't care about black people either. But it's not black people that support and follow and listen to him. It's mostly older, white Republicans who tend to watch Fox. So he doesn't care about those white people in Florida. He doesn't care about those people in America or in Ukraine, where there's obviously a lot of white people and lots of white people dying. He doesn't care, but you should. Yes, Zelensky was in my town this week. Now, I would have loved to have taken him to DeForest Pizza or a Yankee game, or the Riverside Park, and he would have, of course, been an honored guest at my son's flag football game, but I know he's got a lot of other shit to do when he's in town. He did see a lot of Ukrainian flags, including outside our apartment and all across the city. And before he got here, the U.S. gave him a welcome gift. It's another installment in the drip, drip, drip approach from the Biden administration, but it's support nonetheless. Last week, the U.S. imposed one of its largest sanction packages yet related to the war in Ukraine, penalizing more than 150 companies and individuals that profiting from the invasion and their proximity to the Kremlin and to Vladimir Putin. They're part of an effort by the U.S. to target Russia's military supply chains and starve Putin of the equipment, tech, and services he needs to wage the war in Ukraine. And it was led by Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury, who put out a statement. This is all great. And welcome by Zelensky, especially since he's in town. But why didn't Biden do this earlier? Why does he make it so hard for Zelensky? Why does Zelensky have to beg for tanks and beg for F-16s and now beg for attackums? Why does it have to be so slow? Maybe it's because Biden's too damn old, too damn entrenched and too damn stubborn. There's a tremendous amount of concern about Biden across this country, and that's the truth. It's not a partisan attack. That's a reality. And the Washington Post wrote a story underscoring it that was titled, Anxiety Ripples Throughout the Democratic Party Over Biden. Persistent concerns over Biden's age come amid a series of polls showing he's neck and neck with Trump. And here's my breakdown. Biden is old. And that's a risk, especially for independence. Biden is old and doesn't look great. It's a reality that Democrats and anyone who wants to beat Trump have to face. 
his health, and his age are a very real risk to his candidacy. And everyone who wants to see Biden win and Trump lose needs a plan to mitigate it, especially with independent Americans, the 49% of us in this country that are unaffiliated, the 49% of us in this country that will determine the race for president. Now, replacing Kamala Harris with someone else for VP might help. Of course, it's hard and unprecedented and controversial, but so are the times we're living in. And of course, baked into the reactions to Harris are endless amounts of racism and sexism. But that doesn't mean it should be ignored at the expense of victory. This is not a time to be ideologically pure for the Democrats. This is a time for victory. Because the prospect of defeat means the election of Trump and the end of America as we know it. So it's time for Biden to bear down and make moves accordingly. It's time for him to make some bold calls. And Republicans see the blood in the water and already on the attack. Another Washington Post headline read, Nikki Haley wants to make the presidential race about Kamala Harris. Now, Republicans are good at finding a weakness in a candidate and pummeling it endlessly and exaggerating it and swarming. They'll be all over Biden's age all over his son Hunter and his problems, and all over his VP. But there's only one of those things that he can change, and he should. Yeah, some of the Democratic base would lose their frickin' minds. But they're not who Biden has to get. He'll get almost all of that base anyway. Independent Americans are the 49% of all voters, and independents are the key in swing states. And the one thing they want to see is a more moderate, more exciting, more unifying VP who can assume command if Biden goes down. And Harris ain't it. That's the reality. Now, there are no easy solutions here. But if I were Biden, I'd drop Harris and consider replacing him with someone who was a guest on this show, rising star and Maryland governor, Wes Moore. Now, There'd be lots of loud noise and whining and infighting throughout the Democratic Party for a bit, but it would pass. And then that base that's upset with Biden would fall in love with Wes Moore. And even more importantly, independents will accept him and hope for the best, especially given his status as a transformative figure, as a successful governor, as an innovator, as an outside-of-the-beltway person, and... As a combat veteran, the base will eventually fall in love with more. Independence will accept him and hope for the best. And America will have an exciting, unifying, next-generation insurance policy. These are unprecedented times. We need a president who can make harder calls than maybe we've ever seen. And if he can't be physically dexterous, at least he has to be strategically dexterous. That means making bold, unprecedented, and sometimes unpopular moves. He can start with this one. It just might be the one that wins him the most important election of our lifetime and saves our republic. And speaking of bold calls that should have been done earlier, we've talked on this show about how it's long past time for open primaries in Pennsylvania to empower all independents in that state to vote. 
And recently, five former Pennsylvania governors have called for open primaries, saying, quote, it's the right and smart thing to do. And they're right. It's the right, smart, and patriotic thing to do, especially when 50% of veterans in Pennsylvania are independent and can't vote. Just ask previous guests on this show, Super Bowl champion and Vietnam veteran Rocky Blyer. They underscored an important point that I think often gets lost. Quote, as taxpayers, these independent voters help pay the roughly $50 million it costs to run a primary election. And yet, they are denied the right to cast a vote. This is surely taxation without representation. So I'll continue to keep you updated, but a key fight in the rights for independents to vote in open primaries is underway right now in Pennsylvania, and it's a place where we need an overdue change. Hold on to me, don't let me go, who cares what they see, who cares what they know, your first name is free, last name is down, you still believe in where we're from. Speaking of overdue change, still ongoing across America is the United Auto Workers of America strike. And I just want to say, I stand firm in support of these workers. My dad was once one of them. When he was a young guy, he worked at the GM plant. And many of these workers are now my friends and fellow veterans. Another point, they're emphasizing the need to focus on electric vehicles in the future. That's because electric is the future for America and the world. And an investment in these auto workers is an investment in that future, too. It's also the right thing to do. And this is a time for new leaders to stand up, to speak out, and try new things. It's time for prime time. And there's no better example of what a disruptive, transformative, next-generation leader can do than Coach Deion Sanders, prime time himself, the Hall of Fame legend who once played in an NFL game and a Major League Baseball game in the same 48-hour period. That guy, if you haven't heard, is now the electrifying coach of the Colorado University football team. And they are on a roll, and they have the entire country talking. And last week, in a thrilling victory, they beat Colorado State in an overtime game in one of the best football games I've ever seen. But Coach Prime is doing things differently. Coach Prime is disrupting. Coach Prime is a next-generation kind of coach that's got the country talking and has dramatically changed the landscape for everybody. And with that win last week, the legend of Coach Prime continues to grow. And that's the kind of win a team can only put together when they really believe. Next week, they play Oregon, and the week after that, USC, and every week, it all gets bigger. Because prime time is rising to the moment, and he is inspiring America and showing all of us what a next-generation leader can look like. 
So Coach Prime came from behind to win. My Giants electrified and came from behind to win. And America here can come from behind to win. And that win can be led by independent Americans. Because independents are the future and we are not alone in our independence. If you're among that 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. This is your movement. This is your moment. This is your prime time. Because our independent movement is the hope for the future. Shaking things up just like Coach Prime himself. Country over party, people over politics, light over heat. Busting up the status quo and completely changing the game. That's what I'm trying to do as well with this podcast. We'll be back in the next couple of weeks with more conversations with important, inspiring, iconic Americans. But in the meantime, I hope you like this change of pace in this shorter format of the podcast that I've been bringing to you each week. If you like it, go to independentamericans.us and join us by becoming a member of our patriotic, powerful Patreon community. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it far and wide and invite your friends to declare their independence. So stay vigilant. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant. And we are all in this together. Just like Coach Prime tells his players at Colorado, he's got them believing, and now he's got the whole country believing. And we can do the same. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Stay vigilant, America. And welcome to prime time. Powered by Righteous Media.